Welcome to season two of the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education across the globe. I'm Karen Sarah Watson. I'm not only the host, but I am a teacher. This podcast is for people who want to better understand the experience of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to season two of the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I am so excited to have on educator, author, actor, director, Andrew Jordan Nance. He is the founder of Mindful Arts San Francisco. He has published over four books, including the most recent Puppy Mind, which I loved, by the way, I love that, which was adapted into a five episode series. He's a recipient of the Point of Lights Award, bringing bringing mindfulness to youth. So Andrew, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's such an honor. Thank you so much, Karen. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, we have so much in common because we are both theater teachers. Yes, we are. Yeah, and, I went uh, to New York University, so I know Manhattan well. And, and uh, yeah, I'm just really thrilled to be chatting with you. Did you get to, did you get to, have you taught in Manhattan? Were you? Uh, the only time I taught was a few years ago. A friend of mine works at a school and I don't remember which PS it was, but um, he had, uh, he, he really liked bringing uh, in actors to read children's books to his kids. And all of, most of the kids were hearing impaired. So there was a signer there, an ASL signer there, but typically he would bring in Broadway personalities to, uh, to uh, read to the kids. But I, since I had a book and he and I went to school together years and years ago at NYU, uh, he brought me in. So that's the only time I ever taught because I, I left Manhattan when I was 24. Oh, got it, got it. And, you, and then you went out to San Francisco. That's right, that's right. So um, let's talk about, I want to hear all about how you got into a mindfulness in youth and how you became, you went from being an actor, director, you might still do that too. Do you still do, are you still dabbling at that also? You know, a little bit. I actually just got a script uh, from the theater company that I used to work at. And so I'm reading it now to see if I could fit it into my schedule, but because um, I do love acting, you know, it's so much fun to sort of transform into another human being or creature and uh, sort of live in that world. So we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. It's, it's a big commitment, you know. So tell me how you got from where you were in, um, you know, studying educational theater to where you are now. Yeah, so I ran this theater school at the New Conservatory Theater Center for almost 20 years. And then uh, truthfully, my mom passed away and I just thought, you know, I need to do something different. I need to shake things up. I need to have a new chapter. And I uh, started uh, looking at ways to do that. So I took a class in the science of well-being at San Francisco State University. And um, then I took a symposium at the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. And it's a week-long symposium. I highly recommend it to any teachers out there. Uh, basically, we learned social-emotional learning techniques to bring into the classroom. And one of those techniques was mindfulness. And it was in that symposium, you might get a kick out of this, that um, they said, okay, now we're going to play some mindful games. So we, they showed us the mindful games and I tilted my head and I thought, wait a minute, 
those are theater games, you know, that I learned in high school. And then we did at university and then we did in rehearsals and on and on and at parties. <laughs> and, uh, and so I thought, well, hold on. So, you know, as the week went on, I started thinking, wow, I've sort of been learning a form of mindfulness for years now. Um, and I don't know if you've connected that. I'm guessing you have, but yeah, um, thank you very much. Just, yeah, just that there is this um, similarity where, you know, both a theater artist and a mindful artist is invited to be present, uh, to notice their big emotions so they can be skillful with them, to uh, listen carefully, to see fully, to, you know, taste and touch and just be so connected to the present moment so that it's really rich, not only for yourself and your, and your scene partners on stage, but also for the audience. And, you know, we don't want to be thinking about the past or the future. We don't want to be worried about what's for dinner after the show or if the reviewer likes it, you know, or if your mother likes it or, you know, whatever is, might be happening outside of the given circumstance. Um, but I feel like there's a little bit of a difference and it's nice to talk to a theater person about this, but it, you know, acting is reacting. We've heard that in all our training. Um, and so there is that sense of reactivity. You want to be spontaneous on stage. However, there's a whole rehearsal process that has come before that moment. So yes, we're going to be reactive, but within you know, with, with skillfully reactive, you know, just right. because you yell at me doesn't get to mean I suddenly get to throw a chair at you on stage unless we've rehearsed it specifically. So, so with mindfulness, however, we do want to be much more measured, much less dramatic so that the, you know, the waves of, of life don't engulf us and drown us. Um, on stage, that's kind of exciting to watch, or that's very exciting to watch. But in life, that's that's not exciting. It's it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> so you um you studied this, and you yes. and what what got you into like education? Where how did you suddenly right? For years, I was running that theater school. So right. um, so I went from being from studying uh, at NYU. Then I did a stint uh, actually modeling in Europe for a year. And then uh, I came back to, not, to the United States. And it wasn't until, let's see, when did that, what did that work? It wasn't until 1991 when I moved from San Francisco to Florida that I got back into the theater world and I started teaching acting classes in Tampa, Florida. I worked for uh, the Disney crew, which was a partnership with Disney World and a drug prevention company. And we toured the school district or the school systems of Central Florida doing a drug prevention show. And we would do uh, Q and A's after the shows and it was quite fun. And then I did a, 
uh, I was a director of a program called Dreamers Against Drugs. And we used uh, kids from around the Tampa Bay area to go into rec centers and YMCAs. And we did television uh, spots and went to malls and different things like that to talk about um, different gateway drugs and that sort of thing. And then when I came back to San Francisco, I got more into educational theater, doing touring shows, and then uh, wound up uh, running the theater school at the New Conservatory uh, because I had done a play there and I did have an educational background, educational theater background. So the executive director at the time gave me a chance and uh, luckily I succeeded. I, I grew the program, I think from like four classes a year to like 40 classes a year in just a few years. So I felt really proud of my work there. That's amazing. And so where, where does the mindful arts um, San Francisco come into play? Yeah. So once I left there and I took that symposium, I, I just dove into everything mindful. I took classes from mindfulschools.org, which uh, I'm guessing you've heard of. And I, I've taken it and it's oh, changed good. my life. Yes. Totally. Me too. Me too. I, I think I took three or four classes, uh, in a very short amount of time. And then of course, reading and going, we have, a, we have a great meditation center here called Spirit Rock. So I would go up there every Wednesday and meditate with Sylvia Borstein and uh, Donald Rothberg. And sometimes Sharon Salzberg would show up. And um, so anyway, so that's basically how I, I dove into it. And like I said, I felt like I had this real uh, affinity to the mindfulness practice because of all my theater training. So it felt, it didn't feel like I was putting on this whole other skin. It really felt like just adjusting what, um, what I was doing on stage more for life. Um, and which is something that I, I kind of uh, was shocked about that, that our drama teachers never said, and you can use this stuff in life. I mean, I don't, I don't recall a drama teacher ever saying, you know, take a deep breath before you go out on a date, you know, or, you know, check your heart rate or, you know, just notice what's going on because otherwise you might say or do something that you feel, you know, like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Why did I say that on that first date? Or, or you know, do a job interview or, you know, any of that. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you have that experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's funny because I, I, I studied Meisner later in life. I, I was studying it and I found that the skills Meisner is about repeating and it's all about listening yes. and responding to your partner. And, um, I, and I find that really important in the classroom. I take that back to the classroom about, you know, sharpening up my listening skills. And I think theater is so much about that. And so I, um, you know, I learned so many things about the people that I interview. And one of the women I interviewed was a mindfulness coach and um, she turned me on to mindfulness schools and I studied and now I meditate every day because of that. And um, it's, it's literally changed my life. Um, and, and, and it was an easy transition being in theater because we, we, we do have to be present with each other on stage. So I, I totally get that because I feel the same way. And, um, and, and a lot of the theater games that we play are, are, are very similar to, to, to what I bring to, you know, students about like really being present and being present is everything. And that's all about mindfulness. That's so exactly I agree. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love, I love, love hearing your perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, it's really just, you know, you've heard this from mindful schools. It's about learning how to respond wisely to situations rather than react blindly. And, and that's what it's all about. And that's, so that's what I did was I jumped in and I have to say a friend of mine who's always been really uh, fantastic and being pushy um, said to me, well, you know, uh, you've done all this mindfulness training stuff. Um, I work with teachers. Why don't I just ask them if any of them would be interested in having you come in and test your new found mindfulness skills on these kids? And so I, you know, took a deep breath and uh, gulped and uh, said, okay. And so she, she asked these teachers and two of them said yes. And they were transitional kindergarten teachers. So they were kids, not quite five yet. Uh, and so I kind of in my head, I was thinking, okay, these will be second graders or third graders that I'll teach. But no, these were four-year-olds. <laughs> so uh, it went pretty well, uh, thankfully. Although I have to say one class I kind of thought was ready for me to go when I, after the 10 weeks that I was been with them at four years old. And, uh, and then the other class though, went really well. And we had a lot of visitors in the class, uh, you know, kind of checking out what this new mindfulness stuff was. And they were really impressed with how focused the kids were, how attentive they were. Um, and uh, so I was really pleased with that. And that kind of just helped the program grow because I had so much buy-in from the other teachers. And eventually we were doing most of the school. This was at Charles Drew out in the Bayview in San Francisco. And then the teacher who I initially started working with uh, transferred to another school. And she actually talked about the fact that she was using a mindfulness teacher in her classes. And he got very excited and said, oh, I'd love to do whole school programming for mindfulness. So uh, she mentioned that to me that she was leaving. And so I actually went with her. And now I teach whole school programming to pre-K. So now I'm teaching three-year-olds wow. all the way up to fifth graders. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun. Um, That's my jam. I teach pre-K. Uh, I teach, I teach pre-K first and second. This year I'm teaching pre-K first and second. I, I taught every grade. Oh but, my God. Um, it's amazing. They can, they really take, they can really take to it. You think that you think that they can't really handle things, but yeah. they're almost even better than we, they don't have all that stuff clogging their mind and all that self-consciousness clogging their mind. So mm -hmm. they're just very open. Like they're just, everything is like, they're like sponges. That's right. And, you know, I think they're there to learn languages anyway. You know, the language of writing, the language of uh, speaking, the language of mindfulness, you know, drawing, whatever it is. So you just sort of add it to their mix and they just go, okay, this is what school's all about. And they do it. Um, and they're so, it's so interesting how different they are you know, just with sitting or taking a few deep breaths, wiggling their toes. Um, I just started doing this one practice with one class where um, I, I hold the bell and, you know, the singing bowl, and then I um, just nod to a kid and they get to come up and ring the bell once, and then they sit back down 
And it's almost like a, like a clock chiming. And so we have, we do it about, you know, 10 to 12 times, depending on how many kids are in the class. And it's just lovely moment of them participating in the practice. And, um, and then after it rings 12 times, we might sit for another 30 seconds or so. Um, and it's just really, it's really amazing, you know, that we're just rewiring their brains just ever so slightly so that they can learn to be with, you know, whatever they're experiencing. Right. Have you, have you done this mindfulness work with teachers? Cause teachers could really use it. <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah. I've done a lot of professional developments, both online and in person before the pandemic. And, uh, it's, you know, it, it one-offs I have to say are a little, um, aren't, aren't my favorite thing because it's, it's, you're sort of flooding someone with so much information. Right. It's not sure they're really getting it. You know, you, I feel like some of the time you're spending half, half the half, half the hour kind of trying to convince them of something that they should try. Um, so I prefer uh, the teachers just sort of take it on their own rather than me to have to teach them in an hour long professional development workshop. Um, and I have a lot of YouTube videos that people can watch. You know, I, I really like the idea that we're inviting people to try out this stuff rather than say, this is some, you know, tried and true method that's going to work hundred percent of the time, because that, I don't know. I just feel like people's walls go up when they have to go to professional development. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. And people's minds. I mean, I, I think I was very much in the mindset of I'm not a meditator, so right. I don't know when I'm doing this, but, um, it was during COVID and I thought, um, and this, I, I, I just love this woman that I interviewed and she was so amazing. And I just thought, you know what, let me just take it. Let me see how I do. And, you know, and now I'm just, I'm a fan, you know, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hundred percent on board with it. And I, I do try to practice that with my students too, especially at the end of class, because the, you know, when the teacher comes back, yes. you know, the kids are like, ah, theater, they're like all over the place that I have to just like bring them back to center, bring yes. them back to center. So I try I to what, it's so funny what theater people think is a good class is like a regular teacher's nightmare, you know? <laughs> I know. They're it's all true. running around and on tables pretending to be, you know, birds and it's so true. I mean, it's so funny because I I didn't get it, I didn't have a classroom this year. Uh -huh. And so I have to go into other teachers' classrooms. So the teachers there, the whole class, and I think it's quite shocking for them to yes. see what I do with them because you know, normally they're like in inside voice, inside voice. And I'm, I'm always saying like outside voice. No, I want you to say, I would scream it. Like, <laughs> exactly. let me hear it. You know, tell me a little bit about your books. Um, you've written a couple books and then, um, and about puppy mine, your recent book that you just published. Yeah. Yeah. So puppy mine, actually puppy mine was my first. Oh. Um, and it's, yeah. And it's, it's really, uh, I, they call it a bestseller, so I'm thrilled about that. But it's all about that wandering puppy mind of ours that likes to wander off into the future, or wander into the past. And it's our job to get it to come back to the present one kind breath at a time. And uh, it's a sweet book. The illustrations are by a guy named um, Jim Dirk, who draws Clifford the Big Red Dog. So the illustrations are top notch. I love and, them, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I love that book. And then I also wrote a book called The Lion in Me about anger and how to name and tame our inner beast. Um, you know, for a lot of us, especially I, I'll speak for myself, but being a guy, you know, often I, I feel hijacked by anger. Um, and that that book really spoke to me of um, just the power of noticing all the signals that show up when anger arises so that I can be skillful with it, not to push it away, not to subjugate it, but just to go, wow, I feel so warm right now and my shoulders are so tense and I haven't taken a breath in minutes. Um, and you know, my heart's beating fast um, and my eyebrows are, you know, furring or whatever the sensations might be, um, just to notice that so I can wake up enough to take that breath, to wiggle my toes, to maybe drop my shoulders and just do this little body scan so that I can go, wow, all right, that was really triggering to me. I'm going to have to say something or I'm going to have to walk away or I'm just going to have to tend to what's showing up because sometimes we get angry because of past trauma you know like someone's not listening to you so but you know but you you know you know that's not it's it's not personal they're just that way you know right. so you can tend to that rather than have some big outburst that uh you'll regret right Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's so, but I'm curious how this translates to, to, to students and uh -huh. um, where have you experienced transformation in students like discussing yeah. this? Yes. Oh, this is so fun. Oh, you can play this with your kids. So I play a game. Well, a couple things. Um, sometimes after we read the book, I'll say anyone, um, want to come up here and pretend to get really angry. And so, of course, most of the hands are raised. And so I'll call up someone. I say, all right, I want you to think about something that makes you kind of mad, you know, not global warming. I don't say that, but I think that in my head, <laughs> not global warming mad. But, you know, like at lunch, someone wouldn't share their banana or, you know, whatever. Um, OK, so they do. And then they don't tell us. They don't tell us what it is. And then we get to see them get mad. And then I'll I'll say, um, all right, great. Do you feel hot or cold right now? And they'll say, I feel hot. And uh, they'll, I'll say, do you feel big or little? And then they say, I feel big. And uh, do you feel like your heart's beating fast? Is your mind busier still? What else do I say? Are your, are your fists clenched or open? Um, do you feel relaxed or tense? Um, so I list all these things um, and they, they respond whatever the way they're gonna respond. I, I, there's no right answer, of course. Um, and then I'll say, fantastic. And then I'll say, all right, let's see if you can take a breath. So they take a breath. And just by doing that, their shoulders just slowly drop. And I'll say, all right, take another breath. And then I'll get the audience to say, take a breath, take a breath. Um, and then I'll say, wiggle your toes. And then and other the kids will say, wiggle your toes. And so they do. And then they start laughing. They start giggling and smiling. And I'll say, all right, shake your shoulders, shake your shoulders. Uh, emotions are sticky. Emotions are sticky. And um, and then the anger is completely gone. So it's been this wave of emotion that comes over them, but they learn how to be skillful with it. Um, and that that's what I'm hoping for is that we can 
do this and pretend that when they feel these big emotions like anger, like whatever, frustration or sadness, um, that they can know what to do to tend to the body. Um, because the body wants to get everything out. It wants to expel the uncomfortable emotion of anger. Um, any, any, any uncomfortable emotion the body wants to expel. Any uncomfortable experience the body wants to expel, right? When you have a cold, you sneeze. If you have a fever, you sweat. If you're nauseous, you throw it up, you know, whatever. I mean, everything needs to leave the body if it's not pleasant. So mindfulness asks us to turn towards the unpleasant so we can tend to it so it doesn't control us anymore. We can be, um, we can, we can still have the emotion, but we can be uh, skillful and useful with the emotion. Um, it, takes a lot of, it takes so much practice because especially with anger, because I find sometimes I just, I can't even think about them. Like, I don't even think about the mindfulness because it, 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 the, the rush of emotions yeah. comes up and that like, you know, everything, you, it's so true that you just want to expel it out of your system yeah. so quickly yeah. and like yell or right. react, react, react. And, um, and that's why it's a practice, right? It's a mindfulness practice. Um, yeah. I, I say to the kids, practice makes progress. Um, I have to explain what progress is, but um, but yeah, you know, it's true. And it, it does take practice. It's really hard. Like just the other day, yesterday, um, we were we were cleaning up um, this this house over the over the long weekend. We, we rented it and it was just my husband and another friend and he's you know he's in his 70s um and he was asking all these questions you know he wasn't being mean he was just like now where does the silverware go again and you know and and all this stuff and i felt myself getting angry at him you know and i knew that what would it do to yell at this 72 year old man for you know wanting to know where the silverware was but i was having like i said this tyranny of anger was showing up for me so I took a breath, I wiggled my toes, filled up my belly, you know, that's the other thing is often we're not breathing deeply enough when we're angry. So to fill up the body with oxygen, to get oxygen to the mind and the heart just allowed me to realize I was doing this to myself, you know, it wasn't something he was trying, he wasn't trying to make me angry, um, you know, so just by doing that, you know, I never got mad at him. I never, he never knew, you know, and that's, that's the way I want it. You know, I don't need to say, you know, you ask too many questions. Like, I don't know. He's 72. You know, I don't live with him, you know, yeah, of course, of course, What's the point, you know, yeah. So, so tell, yeah. tell me about um, where, you know, where do you want to go from here? What's your next, what are some Oof. of your hopes and dreams about where oh, you want to take all this? Good. work? That's a great question. Well, so we have, um, so this program basically expanded into me um, teaching at a few schools. Then we started bringing in other volunteers to teach this curriculum. Because I've, I've written four books, as you mentioned, and one of them is Mindful Arts in the Classroom, which is almost a 300 page curriculum. So we have volunteers now, about 40 of them each year um, take our training. They have a mindfulness practice and they go into the schools as volunteers and teach one to two classes once a week. Um, so what, and then 
uh, three years ago, we hired a uh, program coordinator to uh, uh, place all those volunteers. So what I would love is to see the program coordinator be full-time so that they could you know, collect more volunteers, attract more volunteers, place more volunteers, uh, you know, do more grant writing, you know, bring in more professional development for our volunteers, you know, just it, it could grow and grow and grow. I would just love to see mindfulness in every classroom in San Francisco um, or just about. And I would love to see this model replicated because it's a really great model, quite frankly. Um, you, you just have to hire one program coordinator and then the rest of them are volunteers. I'm just a volunteer myself at this point. So, um, so that's where I'd like to see things develop uh, with Mindful Arts San Francisco. That's the name of the program. And it's a program within the San Francisco Education Fund, which is the volunteer arm of the school district. So they handle all our fingerprinting. They have a development director who can apply for grants for us. Um, and they have a facility, copier, that sort of thing. We can store all our mindfulness goodie bags that all the volunteers get. Um, so, so there's that. And then... I would not be opposed to publishing more books. Um, I feel very grateful that I've published four. Um, I just uh, have two more coming out that are gonna be online uh, publications. One is about American Sign Language for little kids. And one is about um, just being free to who, be whoever you are. Um, it's kind of an LGBT themed story. And uh, so those those are coming out as well. Um, but I'm really open to whatever I you know, you know, I'm 56. So I don't really feel like that hunger that I did, you know, in my 20s, like, you know, I want to be a movie star or yeah. whatever, whatever, you know, I just, I just wanna... wanting to be a Broadway. Yeah. Star. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, exactly. I just want to do good in the world, you know, and yeah and keep the lights on and keep fed and um, and have some fun along the way. You know, it's interesting because um, I got into teaching. I was a professional actress and I got into teaching at 9-11. Basically, I was, in, I was in line for an audition at the York Theater Company and uh, the planes hit. And I was like yelling at people to get out of the building and like, no, and none of the, none of the, we were in, it was an equity, you know, yeah. call. So nobody wanted to give up their place in line. Like nobody left. And I was like, what is going on? And I started helping the firefighters um, because we were, I worked at a place right next to this, this fire station. And I just realized how much it meant to me to like help people from that. And then I just through the actors fund, I became a substitute teacher in the Bronx as a theater teacher. And then here I am like 18 years later, you know, oh, still yeah. doing it. But I mean, it, there's so much to say about, about um, how mindfulness also leads you to want to help people and, and the, the work, you know, the, the work in theater um, the, the work in, for me as a theater teacher has led me into going into like more mindfulness and like, how can I expand this helping people? Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm, I'm in such, I'm such a believer in mindfulness in schools. I don't think that they even have a program set with the New York city public school system. We do have, um, 
like we do have a program that's that's in the DOE, but it's not in every school. And I I, I want to see it in every school. So I love that this is a goal of yours, and I think it should be worldwide. And I think, wow, what a difference it would make in the schools. What a difference it would make for teachers, right? Um, because I really you know do this podcast for teachers, but what a difference it would make for you know, students, but also for all of us, if we had a mindfulness program and like how much more we could get done with it. Yeah. You know, sometimes when I've done those professional developments, I'll ask teachers, what do you do right now that is helpful to social, your kids' social and emotional learning? And we'll write them all down on the board. And there's a lot that they're doing already now that they're not calling mindfulness, you know? Oh, I put music on when we're taking a test or I turn the lights off when uh, they walk into the classroom or I have little twinkle lights, you know, in the classroom or we have a peace corner and there's like a little stress ball, you know? Like there's all these things that they're doing or we, you know, we, I don't know, we walk down the hall, you know, quietly or, you know, whatever it is, um, there's a lot they're doing already. So I like to frame it more that this is social and emotional learning with a mindfulness bent, you know, um, because it triggers a lot of people to think, oh my God, I have to learn one more thing and I'm not a meditator. Um, but, you know, what if we all took 10 breaths together, you know? you know, Spidey breathing or Wonder Woman breathing or elephant breathing, you know, make it fun. It doesn't have to be um, this, you know, stoic, you know, statue-like uh, experience. It can be just breath work. You know, I, I really think at its core, um, it's breath, mindfulness is breath work. You know, you've, you've probably heard this expression too, you know, mindfulness is breathtaking. And it you know, that's where it starts is um, connecting with the breath enough to wake up the mind so it can think clearly again. And most of us take very shallow breaths throughout our day. So we're not really operating at 100%. Um, so if we can remember to oxygenate the body more and more throughout the day, I think we'll make smarter choices, you know. Um, you know, I think just you know, transitions, especially, you know, kids, you know, could take three deep breaths after coming back from lunch or recess, or um, let's, let's do coyote breathing as we walk down the hall, or if you're waiting for quiet, you know, instead of just putting your finger to your lips and do the coyote, coyote, you know, uh, hand signal, which I, is that a, is that a, is that a East Coast thing, quiet coyote? No? no, I've never heard that. Interesting. Yeah. So that's a very, what's the word, U ubiquitous uh, uh, term out in California or the West, where you basically just, it's called quiet coyote. And you just, the teacher looks very stern at the kids and uh, puts their, what, their ring finger and their, what, their pointer yeah. and, what, and the index finger together. And then you've got two little ears sticking up. And they just wait for the kids to mimic this. But um, what I do is encourage teachers to do is use it as a way to do breath work. So the quiet coyote suddenly gets to breathe. You know, so we breathe three times as quiet coyote. Um, and so the kids get to do something fun. It doesn't feel punitive. 
and they're oxygenating their minds and hearts and bodies. I love it. There's so much to learn. And this has been so fantastic. I'm, I'm so grateful I got a chance to talk to you finally. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that I, I think people will listen to this podcast and really get a lot. I'm getting a lot out of it from listening to you about you're giving me so many ideas to bring back oh, to the classroom tomorrow. Okay. Well, so there's so much. There's so much. Um, yeah, the whole back of the book is is all sorts of mindful games that you'll probably remember from your studies and uh, and lots of different stories and art activities. It's really, really fun. So I love it. Well, um, we're going to, we're going to put that on the, and when we post um, this, this uh, podcast, we'll put all the links to all these things so that people can get in touch um, and, and get these books and everything. So um, other people can have access to that. Um, Andrew, I just want to thank you so much for being part of the Warriors of Education podcast. Um, it was just lovely and, and so mindful just talking to you today. Okay. <laughs> you know, it, it's mind, being mindful is, is about live, you know, living your best life. It's not about being stoic all the time. It's, it's being able to ride the waves of life with some more skill. Right. I love that. Well, thank you for those words of wisdom. And thank you for being part of the Warriors of Education podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Warriors of Education. This podcast is produced by me, Karen Sarah Watson edited by Alitza Renzi, and recorded in Brooklyn, New York. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you download podcasts. If you are a teacher or know a teacher who would like to share a story, contact us at warriorsofeducation at gmail.com or on our website, warriorsofeducation.com. Teachers, we hear you, we see you, we honor you. Thank you. <laughs>